on today's show, an NBA draft conversation with my friend Brian Schroeder talking all things at the top of the draft, sleepers, and guys who are on the rise, what the landscape of the entire class might happen to be right now with not a lot of college guys involved at the top of this draft. We'll get into all of that and more on part one of a two-part conversation with myself and Brian Schroeder, and all of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1627 of the Lofton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at FanDuel. Right now, if you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Also, I should tell you at the top of the podcast, make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out and subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. YouTube on the video side, as well as audio platforms like Apple, Spotify, Overcast, etc., and today's show is kind of a break of sorts with regard to Atlanta Hawks coverage. Of course, this has something to do with the Hawks, as I uh, usually cover the draft in some real depth on this podcast. And with a couple days between games, it was a good time to go ahead and do this. I will say, I recorded this podcast on Saturday night with my friend Brian Schroeder. This is part one of two, talking all about the top of the draft. It's about an hour in two parts, talking about the top guys, really the whole like lottery conversation right now for the most part. Also, how, how good or really how bad, potentially, this draft might be some sleepers, etc. A fun conversation. Brad's been on the show many times. Always fun to talk to him about the draft. We'll have much more coming up, of course, later on about the draft, but obviously we don't know a ton about this one just yet with regard to where the Hawks will be, although they might have two picks in the first 20 picks or so, potentially, in this class, and a good time for sort of a primer. I know folks have been asking for this. I actually, again, record this podcast on Saturday, so before the Hawks lost on Sunday, but uh, I've also got a lot more questions about the draft in recent days, which makes sense because the Hawks are, of course, losing. So that makes some, uh, some some level of logical sense in there. But anyway, long story short, part one of two coming to you right now, myself and Brian. Stay tuned for part two on your same podcast platforms all the way across the board. As soon as this podcast is live, part two should be there as well. Without any further delay, here is myself and Brian talking all things NBA Draft. I am joined now by my most prominent NBA draft guest because it's that time. I've neglected the draft so far this year, <laughs> as I will freely admit on this podcast, but Brian Schroeder is back. Hello, sir. How are you? Not too bad. We're living the dream here. In dealing with uh, dealing with some disgusting weather, <laughs> as 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 is wont in the in the Midwest where you live. But uh, it's cold here, just for the record. In Atlanta, it's just cold and wet. And it's gross. not cold. It's it. This is this is rain turning into snow, which is the worst kind of. That weather. is not fun at all. Uh, is that sort of a good metaphor for this draft class? No, uh, I'm being <laughs> funny, but I was going to start this off by, we'll get, obviously get to some players, as we always would with you here on the podcast, but there's been a lot of talk about how, candidly, how bad this draft is for a lot of people, uh, and I, I want to know broadly, and then we'll kind of dig into kind of what's good and what's bad about the class, but as far as like the overall quality and kind of the top line uh, thought slash narrative on this, on this group so far, now that we've seen a lot of the college season, so, you know, at least half the college season so far, all the international guys, do ignite, et cetera. How are you feeling about this draft as of early January? It's the worst since 2013, at least. Yeah. Now, I will say, you'll see people calling it worst draft of all time. The 2000 draft will never be top. The 2000 draft, it yeah. was legitimately like bad. Like there no, were. No, it's all time bad. Even now, even now, like in the moment, it was bad. Yeah. Now, if you look, if you look, if you look at the one time, if you're a draft person, look. Sometimes just go through the 2000 draft and like try to not laugh. 
Like yeah, it's, it's it's really it's really yeah. kind of tough. There's obviously there are some good players in the draft. There's always there always will be in every draft. Mm-hmm. But man, mm-hmm. it's it is pretty gross. So, I'm, but I'm this is definitely not a draft. The top two that I have are the top two solely because they have like one all star trait, like one trait that all stars have, and it's like well maybe that turns into something. They have tools, and then like the G League guys have been fine. There's no I mean, OTE is transitioned into being a college prep school. It's no longer yeah. what it was. So there's no Thompson twin caliber guys there. To, to maybe there will be in a couple of years, but we don't know who they are now. And then the college crop, like okay, maybe slightly below average returner class. Like a lot of uh, bigger combo guards and a lot of like big white centers in the in the returning <laughs> class. Yes. At least, uh, two, at least like, two like, very prominent ones that like, we talk like about a lot. Decent role player guys, but not nothing. nothing there's no Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, John Morant kind of second year guy who's become a superstar prospect. Never really was going to be. And then the freshman class is just not very good. It's just it was just, it's it's been a bad freshman class for like this crop of guys was always viewed as yeah. not very not very inspiring. Yeah, that's so one of the reasons it feels so like it's just about the worst combination of of players you can have i think for the level while still maintaining the level of general talent that exists in the basketball world which is to say so much that we're going to have two new teams fairly soon yeah i mean it's a good place to kind of jump off and just talk about while like you said it's seen as a very poor class there is still talent here um the one and done or the one and done age class is kind of maybe the central problem in some ways Mm -hmm. there's a lot of international guys in this class which is good in some ways and also not great for like in, like casual interest. Like when a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the top guys are not college players, it gets a, it gets kind of dicey as far as people di- sort of diving in that are not diehards. Um, is it just the top that's weak? Like, how do you feel about the depth overall? Because it feels like at, at a certain point, every draft is kind of the same, but maybe not. Yeah, I I'm I'm really kind of giving up on. I think the issue with this year's class is determining the depth is hard because we have no idea who's staying. Like True. there are legitimately. I, I have a list of guys, about 20, 30 guys who could be good returners next year. And it's like, they might just go this year. I have no idea. And it's almost February. Like, yeah, usually we, at this point. We should know by now at least a lot more than we probably do. The only guy who stayed last year that surprised me was Filipowski. Yeah. And like this year, it's going to be like, there's going to be like 15 guys where I'm like, why? Why did you stay? You could have gone in the second round. Or at least top four. Yeah. I mean, Filipowski was what? The only consensus, like top guy that would have gone in the top 20-ish. That we kind of were confident in, he would have gone that high. Whether he, he would have been a first not, round pick. He would have yeah, been a first whether, round Whether he should have or not, he would he would have been picked in the first round. Um, maybe maybe Donovan Klingon would have gone in the first round, like pretty clearly. I think I think he, he would have gone late first, yeah. By then, but like he was also a guy that wasn't really seen that way until what March, February. Yeah, like he was kind of a late riser. He so. also had he also you can tell like he him going back wasn't surprising because he was going to be the starting center. Right, it's like Phil and, he had, and he and he was already was. Right, yeah. yeah. Philip Baski kind of had less to gain, it seemed like, but also I'm sure he's making a lot of money in an AL at Duke, I would That's, have to guess. That also helps it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would have to uh, assume. But yeah, I mean, look, and this is, a, of course, a Hawks podcast on some level, and the Hawks <laughs> project right now to have two picks in the top 22, 23, if you factor in the Kings pick, which is not a lot eight, to come, but I think eight, it's likely to come. And 23 as of today, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Again, the Kings pick, there's some fluidity there. It could be 15. It could not come at all. It could be 24. We, we don't yeah. really know. But the Hawks pick, I think we can safely assume at this point, it's not going to be in, in the in the 25 to 30 range at the very least based on their start. So, uh, yeah, some, some interest. I'm not sure they're going to be at the top of the draft. It would take a lot of uh, fireworks and things going right or very wrong if you want to kind of go that way on the Hawks. Yeah. But they have probably two picks in the middle of the round somewhere, which is interesting. 
on some level. And that's part of why I ask you, in addition to just what we just generally talk about, like, I think a lot of people are going to focus on the top. Like, like always, there's no Wemby here. Yeah. Clearly, there's not even a Scoot here. Like, none of those, none of those there's guys. There's not even Thompson, honestly. There's not even a Brandon okay. Miller, and I'm not high on Brandon Miller. I but feel like, like he I was, ask you this. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a like a, a no doubt All American level player as a as a freshman. He's six yes. foot nine, and he can shoot. Even though I'm relatively low on him as like a, few, a superstar player, that college player is not in this draft. I was going to say, I mean, I maybe it was a little higher than Brandon Miller uh, than you were, but still not super high. And it feels like he would be a very easy number one right now in this on on, on in this class if he was available. I probably have him three, but I just mean more the prestige level. Like, there's not that like, name brand think, college yeah. player. Yeah, I also think maybe maybe that's uh, I'm more thinking about maybe consensus just because yeah. I know what you value and you're you definitely value upside be. He probably more. Would be. He probably would I, be. I think you value upside more than more than a lot of people do and what traits or weirdness and you know Brady Miller is like. I think the reason why neither one of us love Brandon Miller is probably the same. Is like, I think he's going to be a good NBA player. He probably already kind of is on that track. It's just that I didn't really see the the next thing with him. Yeah, and, and if you're going to draft him at number two, then you're going to pay him the RJ Barrett contract. And how did that go? Not not so well. I, yeah. I feel like I ask you this question every time we do this, especially early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the like, where does the top of stack up against previous? Like, how many how many guys in so and so class would go number one in this draft? It's like hard to even do it because it's like. A lot of the obvious ones in the last two years, like Wemby, is put him to the side, obviously. But Scoot goes number one in this class very easily, right? Like it's not even close at this point, I don't think. Mm. Just prospect wise, I don't. Scoot, Scoot has not dominated Chet this does. year. Scoot does. Chet does. Paolo, Paolo, where, where, where does Paolo? Fall? Oh, Paolo's number one. In that's why I think too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's just kind of gives you an idea. Not that um, it's impossible that anybody. Pops, the more interesting question names, I've, I've been asking this one around is how many guys from next year's class go number one this year, not counting Cooper Flag, who obviously would. I was going to say uh, probably four guys, three or four okay. guys at least. Because yeah. I feel like we did this before, where we talked about maybe it was a couple years ago, this maybe last year's class versus two years ago class, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, it's just always interesting to kind of think about that narratively. And again, it's early; it's January. Somebody's going to probably rise somebody might fall we've, we've already seen at least in the consensus we've already seen some guys fall like uh ron holland is no longer like sitting number one on, on a lot of boards um that he was a couple of months ago at this point in time mm-hmm. even that, that was, it was kind of a soft number one no one was saying this guy's definitely number one but like there's been some rise and fall they're always always rise yeah. and fallers this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we sometimes get obsessed with actually how to change ourselves so just expanding on what we're already doing right in our lives. Maybe you actually found organization in one part of your space and want to tackle another one right now, or maybe you're taking supplements every morning, and now you actually want to have breakfast as well. Therapy helps you find your strengths. You can ditch the extreme resolutions help make, help make the changes and actually make them stick in your life. Therapy can be something to look forward to, something to make you feel and look grounded. It can also give you the tools that, that you need to manage everything going on in your life. And if you're thinking of starting therapy right now, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your lifestyle and your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and I'll actually match you with a licensed therapist at BetterHelp. If you ever want to change therapists, they will help you to do so at any time with no additional cost, and they make everything easy for you. Celebrate the, cro- the progress that you've already made with the folks at BetterHelp. And the place to go is BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. One more time, that's BetterHelp, better H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, let's talk about some players. Uh, I won't give it away. You can certainly give it away if you want to. Uh, do you have a consensus number one? Do you have a, a clear number one, or is it all kind of tear breaks right now? Is everybody uh, right now? It's a bad. clear number one. Right now, it's a clear number one because I, well, I've had Sar number one since like 
Alex Saar, the brother of uh, Thunder, Thunder Center two A center Olivier Saar, played yes. for uh, he plays for the Perth Wildcats in the NBL. He played for Overtime Elite for a couple of years last year. Um, he's been number one kind of by default, just because he has the best. He's the most athletic guy in the top and has he's seven one. Could probably shoot like he has flashes where he does Jaron Jackson stuff. And defensively, he's been consistently very good. Like he will be good. He will be a great, an elite help side like rotation guy. He is holding up pretty well physically in a very physical league. He's 19. And like if he's if he's like a 34% three point shooter at 7 1, we'll take that. Um, but he has been kind of like he hasn't really stood out. He's not playing, he's playing a little less. I think he's been banged up. He's got a hip injury now, but he's been yeah, banged he's up before right that. Um, I was kind of hoping for Nikola Topic to pass him because Nikola Topic just came up to got brought up to Red Star to Cervana Vesta in the Euroleague. He went from Mega Mies, which is the Adriatic League, which is still a good league. That's why he's number yeah. two prospect. He's 18 and he was dominating. And he was called up to the Euroleague, and in his second game, he uh, sprained knees and he's out for six weeks. So <laughs> if he started putting up, you know, 25 and five in the Euroleague, he would have been number one. And I was waiting for that, and now it's not probably not going to happen. So hooray! And just while while we're here on on Topic, you know, we, talk, we come back to Sar too. Yeah. Um, is the theory there just like you know big initiator? Like a mm-hmm. you know, six was it six six ish? He's um, six five six six seven foot wingspan allegedly. He's he's a weird player. I've gotten. I mean, you always have to do the no one can do. You're not allowed to do cross racial comps. <laughs> well, um, there, should be, there, there should be more of those, in my opinion. But yes, um, yeah, yeah. But what he does, he does like I've had somebody say he looks like Drazen Petrovic, and I was like. But uh, the one I, I kind of like, there's two I like for like the white guy, white guards. One is what if Nick Calathis was an NBA athlete? Because that's the kind of passer he is. He's like a legit like. That's a that's a deep that's a deep dive that I understand. Nick I'm not sure people will was people awesome. will know, but yeah, I agree. If he, he was just a for the people that don't know, he was a very very skilled six six guard who just was a bad bad athlete by professional like a me level athlete. Yeah, not yeah. a very good athlete. Um, <laughs> To where, like, yeah, I've dunked like four times in my life, and I bet Nick Lathis has probably dunked four or five times in his life. And he, and by the way, he still managed to play for basketball for a very long time at a very He's high great. level. He's great. He's awesome. So yeah. he just couldn't really move in the way that yeah. these guys um, The other one I kind of like, and there's a very specific reason I use this one, is he's like if Dragic was 6'6". Because he Which has is a the same. Heck of a player. Yeah, he has the same. Dragic, the, the straight line speed going to the basket, was a top five to ten, one of the fastest players in basketball. Dragic just did not have any like he couldn't really weave in and out of traffic. He didn't do any of the John Morant like cut stuff. Yeah. And Topic doesn't really do that. Now he might be able to. He's 18. Um, but that's sort of the player he is. The shooting comes and goes. Off ball, he's not really there's not a whole lot. He just doesn't play off the ball very much. Uh defense is fine. Like, what do you care? It's a point guard. It's really <laughs> the thing. Like Well, and also, not to make it this simple, but there's always so bad you can be when you're six seven. Mm. Uh, yeah. Playing point guard, especially yeah, how, if you know yeah. what you're doing. Uh, how bad is Spencer Dinwiddie at defense? He's okay. Not, he's he's not very good, but yeah, he's I mean, not. It's, yeah, he's fine. There is a there is uh, not to be uh, heightest or sizeish, <laughs> but uh, there is a little bit of a higher floor when you're six seven defensively. If you just yeah. have any idea what's going on, and I think he does. But also, based on what I've seen. like I said, Tyrus Halliburton is an atrocious defender. It doesn't he's matter. Bad. Yeah, he's it doesn't he's matter bad, and I, I also think that Halley doesn't have to be this bad. You know what I mean? True, I think that true. Halley, as a prospect, we kind of both thought that it was going to be better than this defensively. Now, offensively, he, did three, he did have three blocks the other night. Against the Atlanta Hawks, yes, he did. Um, no, uh, I, I, that's a good... Uh, not to compare him to Halley, because Halley's an interesting, unique player. But, yeah, I, I can... 
I've only seen Tobich play, again, I've, I've admitted to this already, I'll say it again now, I'm, I'm way behind on this class, I've only yeah. seen Tobich play, I think, once, so I'm not an expert at all, this is why Brian's here, but um, I like what I have seen, and I like the theory of Topich, but it also seems like he wouldn't be number two in a lot of drafts. <laughs> um, um, maybe he would the, the age, The age of the production level... He would be a top five pick in, in most recent drafts, I feel like, because he he really is. He's very smart. He's very like he's smart. He's quick. He can really finish around the rim. And he has like the, the double hand. Not, I don't want to do the Luka Cobb. It's too easy. I was going to have earlier. Yeah. some of the like the live dribble either hand skip pass passes. stuff, yeah. which is really like that's that's you can't really teach that. So and again, at six, six, if you can throw those, like, there's passes he can throw at that size that small guards have trouble throwing. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons he, not to sidetrack it. That's one of the reasons why Trey is such a preposterous passer is that he can make those yep. passes at six one, and most guys cannot do that. He had one last night where he uh, faked a, a floater and just threw a lob, and it's like, it's like, how do you do that when you're six one? Anyway, yeah. uh, no, I I'm predisposed to liking Topic. To be honest with you, from what I've seen, what I hear, I I, I tend to like this kind of player. Um, can he? You know, it's also a little bit easier in some respects to build if you have a guy who is six six that is like actually your point guard. If he's actually well, going to be a point guard, then that actually unlocks a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I think I think uh, the thing with him too, and I think it's become an obvious fit is I, there's one team that really should be prioritizing him, and I think we all know what team that is. Which team at the top of this draft could use a someone can throw a pass? Can you pass? <laughs> can you please throw the huge seven foot five guy up a, a pass? Like give him a, give him the ball in the paint. I, I believe the Spurs could use a could use a passer of some kind. Yes, that would be good. That would be that's that's a hand and glove fit that would that would really help them out immensely. Um, like they, that would imagine they were talking about this on Inside, and it was one of the rare Inside things where I was laughing. But they were like, they were like, what if uh, Wemby played with Jason Kidd, and, and Barkley was like, what if he played with Kevin Johnson? It's like, what if he played with Maurice Cheeks, like a what, point guard? What if he what if he yeah. played with uh, name generic point guard? I mean, Terry Porter. It's actually amazing not to make this a Spurs conversation, but like. Trey Jones is just, is fine. He's just he's yeah. just a guy, and they look so much better with Trey Jones. It's not even funny. Yeah. Like imagine yeah. if they had a, a guy better than Trey, better than Trey Jones. Um, okay, I don't want to short strip Star. I know we kind of move past Star quickly. Um, Star is just it's really simple. Like he, he you yeah. watch five minutes of him, and you understand what he is. Like he's, well, you he's, make, you make the Jaron the Jaron comparison. I mean, everything doesn't have to be a comparison, but I do think that that comp does make sense from what I have seen as like a yeah. theory of him. Do you think he's more of a four? Or is he going to be more of a five in the NBA? He's probably more of a four in the way Mobley is now. But he is a little – I think he's a little stouter and a little tougher than Mobley. He's built a little better. Because, I mean, you've got, you got Mobley and Jaron are like the the, the the two guys in the league that are like, hey, these guys are really, really awesome defenders at the four. At the five, they're not quite as awesome kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's – I wonder if that's kind of the parallel. Yeah, there's a spectrum for that kind of player. And like at the top of it is Kevin Garnett, and like Chris sure. Bosh, Chet, Jaron, Mobley. And I think Sar is somewhere around – probably a little bit below Mobley as a prospect. But I think he's in that he's that level of like mover. You, and, you and also love Mobley for the record. I was a huge Mobley you, guy. You yeah. love Mobley, and he's still he's very he's very good. He's been hurt this he year. He is very good. Oh. Yes. Um, um, and no, he would I mean, be number one in this class by a gigantic margin. So yeah. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. So those are your one. Uh, are those guys in the same tier? Sar and Tobich. Or I guess. Or Sar kind I of guess it's a, it's a it's a kind of a five man tier right now. Number one, but I, it's give, it's give kind of the, give me the give me the five, Brian. List them off, and we'll talk about them. We Zachary, Risa, Ron Holland, Modest Pizelas. Those are the other three, and I'm I'm considering changing that around and getting. And, and by the way, if you're scoring if you're scoring at home, if you're just getting into the draft for the first time this year, all five of those players, none of them are playing college basketball. No college players. Zero. It's the second now, year in a row for me that I've had. No, I'm sorry. I had Jarrett. I had uh, Taylor Hendricks top five last year. And you also love Jarrett Walker. So, uh, yeah. but also maybe erroneously. Uh, 
Yeah, it doesn't look great. Mm. But anyway, there, mm. there, are, there are some college guys in the next tier or two down. There, there's not, there's not yeah. zero college players, but I think it's kind of telling that you just listed five guys. And granted, two of them are in the G League um, in, the, in the Unite program, but the other three are not playing in the U.S. even. So it's like a, yeah. it's, a, it's kind of a challenging um, experience if you are not a draft diehard to, to watch these guys, which is unfortunate on some level. I know you and I are going to watch them no matter what. I know you're watching these guys all the time. But, um, you know, it's easier for people I do to, need to, watch to kind of dive in if they're playing college. <laughs> um, Risa Shea is the only one I haven't seen play, I would say, more than five times. I've only seen him play three times. I'm, I'm going to ask you later. Lots of highlights, guy, too. I'm going to ask you the, uh, later who the guy is going to be that we all know is going to happen in the NCAA tournament that will become right. everyone wants to be in the top five, even though he's not worth that player because he plays well. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, and the NFL season is wrapping up, but the playoffs are here, and there's still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, if you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet at FanDuel. That's 150 in terms of bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is so easy to use. There's actually so, so many different ways to bet at FanDuel as well. They have live same-game parlays. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and, the best, and that's the best place to find the popular parlays offered at FanDuel. There's also ways to find things in the new Explorer tab at FanDuel and they have all the old standards like point spreads, over-unders, money lines, player props, future bets, and much more. The app is safe and secure as well and they cover the entire range of sports that you might be looking for. That includes the NFL, of course, college football, NBA, MLB, WNBA, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, boxing, MMA. It's all there for you at FanDuel. They have all the angles on the Hawks as well, including a full set of offerings on each and every game, plus futures, player awards, and much more. And now is an awesome time to sign up with the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook. And the place to go is FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup with FanDuel. One more time, it's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. You named three more guys. It's Buzelis, it's Holland, it's Risa Shea. Um, I'll let you go with whoever you want to here. I think Holland's probably the most the most known because he was kind yeah. of sitting at the top of the ESPN um, mainstream-ish board this summer. Kind of a rough start to the year, it seems like, for Ron Holland. But what do you make it's of it? It's been better. It's, he's been forced to be – Ignite keeps building these rosters around these guys. Like They had a lot of prospects. who, to their, By their reckoning, they had eight prospects. They did not. like Guys like Babacar, Sané, and, and these guys are not prospects. But They just don't need to do that. I mean, it's – we can have this conversation another time. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't understand what they're trying to do. Even the reason that the league, the thing worked in the first place, they had Jared Jack there the first year. They keep bringing in worse and worse, like point guards. Norris Cole is their point guard right now, which doesn't make sense. I mean, and, and I know they they have they have Hawks legend John Jenkins. He's been around for a long time. John Jenkins has been very good, and that's he's a great guy to have. But yeah. you, need, you you need a, you need a point guard. You need more of those yeah. guys. And uh, the whole theory of the case of just tr- trying to throw, literally, what you just said eight. Even if you could say eight in quotes, eight prospects on the floor together, and they're awful. I mean, if you try to watch them, they are awful. Like, awful. yeah, it's hard. And, it's hard and to I watch. get, I get, I get why they're awful. They should be awful, but it, it makes it hard, it makes it a hard scouting environment because nobody's put in a position to succeed. They don't, they don't have shooting. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. it's a mess. So Holland, Holland's usage was around thirty for the first couple of weeks, and that's just not what he is. No. Like, I, I'm still a fan of him overall. He was, he's been a, his thing has been he is he's a power forward two years ago. He's 6'8", 200. And he's he, been like a he plays four. super hard. He's a, he's he plays like he's got a great motor by all accounts. Good athlete. But yeah, I mean, I he's a guy. He was probably the guy I've seen the most pre this year. Like I saw mm-hmm. him play a couple times in AU stuff, high school stuff because I knew he was coming up. Isn't the, isn't the book on him always like? Isn't going to be the number one option on offense? Like wasn't mm-hmm. that always the sound? I mean, even even when he was supposed to be the number one pick in the draft, 
People yeah. were like, he's not a number one option on offense. And that's okay. No. It's just like when he's asked when he was asked to do that, it didn't really make a lot of sense. They tanked him. Now, the shot is fine. I think he can shoot. He's just gonna be he would be best served by being put into the Wiggins Warriors situation where he can just mm. run onto a team and play. The Kaminga situation. And it's he's <laughs> probably gonna go to the Wizards or somewhere that needs shot creation and it's just not gonna look great. Well, you, you would hope, and I know this is not always what happens, you would hope that a team pick, taking him would understand he probably shouldn't be in that role. Well, there's a reason these teams are always. That's the, that's the other here. thing. I mean, maybe, I mean, I think maybe the wizards get it there. This is a new rebuilding team with some pretty mm. good management. I think maybe they get it more than some of these teams, but like if he goes to Detroit, like, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's some of these teams that don't know what seem to know what they're, <laughs> what they're doing yeah. at the bottom would not be the greatest fit for him. But no, I, I do like, uh, and it feels, it feels like it's a good time to kind of buy back in on Ron Holland. I was, I was reading before we started talking, I think ESPN dropped him like ten or something. Like he's gone That's way. That, yeah, I felt and that felt too low to me. Again, I'm acknowledging I don't know yet, but it was like, wait, I know it's only I know it's been three months or something, but like that's a big drop to go from one on your board to ten or eleven on your board. I get it. Sometimes it's right. I mean, the infamous example that I think of all the time is, was Cliff Alexander. That was the one that was like. Yep. But there's there's been others. Like sometimes you sometimes you you're right to drop a guy. Like James Wiseman. What? Well, he didn't drop. <laughs> he didn't drop. He should have. Yeah. He, he should have. But he actually played so little that it probably helped him. I had him drop. 17, and I'm embarrassed that he was that high. I didn't uh, want to. I, I really didn't right. like him. You yeah, were very I, right about that. Uh, but no, I, I think that man. I I really not that I not that I had to be college, but I really wish Ron Holland was playing somewhere other than G League night. Yes. Like any. I wish else. I wish he'd gone to Texas. Texas would state. have been better. Even even overseas, like if, if he had gone to the NBL, I feel like I know I would know more about Ron Holland than I do right now. Yeah, yeah. He the, the positive with Ron, and this is a weird thing to say, but I think he would probably appreciate it. He is a basketball psychopath. He's just one of those guys who's I love that plays like too hard, like too like Pat, not Patrick. He's not like dirty. He just is. I'm going to play hard. Like he plays very hard. So the he to that end is the defense as good as it like. It seems, it seems good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's 18. Well, yeah, I feel like a guy that is, and you can correct me. I feel like a guy that has his measurables like six seven ish, maybe six seven six um, eight. Yeah, uh, and six, his physical tools, athleticism, and and what you just talked about the motor. The hope would be that guy would be a, a plus plus defender, hopefully in mm-hmm. in time. Like I don't know if that's going to happen, but that would be the hope. You have to think. the uh, The ideal pitch for him is letting him be a Jimmy Butler type. I think, like, and see if he can become the other parts of Jimmy Butler because original. The Bulls, Bulls Butler, not 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 fully formed. 2011, 2012, Jimmy Butler, early was a different yeah, guy, yeah, early Butler, yeah, that Marquette Jimmy Butler. But, and, that, um, and by the way, Butler is like an all-time development story. Like <laughs> he was not ever supposed to be the guy he became, and he's a great work. Speaking of speaking of maniacs, it's always what he's reminded me of, just like temperament. Um, the positive with Ron is that he is a July 2005 birthday, which means he turns he does not turn 19 until a month after the draft. So. Which is uh, usually good. Uh, yeah, that's 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 something to buy in on, and it's something that other guys in this this class who have the, some of the same issues who are going to be twenty one and are named Justin Edwards um, <laughs> don't have that luxury. That's a big he, difference. He he might be the guy this year that uh, earns the drop from the top to the wherever he is. Yeah, because it, it's, been, been, a, it's been a rough start. And what, by the way, he's from Kentucky. If people don't know that, Edwards was he's a guy that was in the top five not, a lot of these mocks preseason. And possibly not a top five prospect on that Kentucky team. On his own team. Yeah, that's that's yeah. tough. Um, Actually, I would say he definitely isn't. Not to pile on. Uh, okay, Ron it's Holland's been, It's been rough for him. It has. Um, Ron, Ron Holland's teammate, Matas Buzelis, um, another guy who would probably be better served playing somewhere besides G League Ignite. Chicago's own. Um, yeah, you talked about this before. So 
he is not. Uh, he's technically seen as an international prospect, but he's, he's kind of not. He's he's kind of his parents are were, are Lithuanian basketball players who moved to Chicago and then where he was born. And he's so, also playing in the G League, and he's. But I think he's listed at like six ten, one eighty or something. Yeah, how skinny is he? I, I would say he's two hundred. Okay, he's, he's I mean, I can I can tell this to you, and you'll understand this reference. Maybe other people won't. <laughs> he looks like he physically and like the way he plays. He looks like freshman Franz Wagner, where you're like, well, that, oh, you know, he's it, almost it, falling it, over all the time. Yeah, like, he was oh, very, boy. very skinny. Um, yeah. the ball has not gone in for him shooting wise. No, I think he could shoot. I, think are, I was shoot. gonna say, are you worried about that? Because that was one of the not selling really. points on him preseason was that he's supposed to be a a good floor stretcher at what six nine six ten. Hmm. If that doesn't go in, the theory of him kind of goes away in a lot of ways. I'm not saying, yeah. You know, I've always liked his defense, though, like more his ISO defense, which is less important. But I've always thought he like he has a physicality to him. He has like a he's got like a he's not he's thin. He's kind of wiry. Like He's not he's not like the Doug McDermott thin shooter or like the even like the Duncan Robinson thin shooter. Yeah. Who looks like he was when he his first year in Michigan looked like he weighed like 170. Um yeah. Modest is like Modest has a little bit of edge. Like there's some there's some sharpness in his in his elbows. I feel like he plays hard. I've always liked his defense. Uh, it hasn't looked super great here. I, although I'm just like you said, it's hard to watch at night. I've really yeah. kind of stopped and watching. Especially him. him not that um, we were talk, we talked about Holland doesn't fit there terribly well. Isn't the some of the selling point of Muzelis like that he can kind of be a secondary ball handler, hmm. kind of do some of the like the the subtle stuff that doesn't really <laughs> pop on a team that doesn't have like the main guys isn't that kind yeah. of i don't yeah. know so the combination of six nine six ten who can shoot and kind of be a, a ball mover at the very least kind of yeah. thing plus you like his defense like that's a pretty enticing package again not a typical not a typical top three guy in the class but like a pretty interesting lottery pick kind of skill set if it if it all works good athlete like dunk contest like won a dunk contest before and again six nine six ten if you're that kind of athlete that's that's a pretty good selling point uh, but but Brian, he's he's a white guy. He can't be a good athlete. Um, it's true. No, I'm kidding. He's surprisingly uh, good athlete. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, uh, actually, that actually honestly works for him because from his side profile, he looks like like he just this very goofy looking profile. Sometimes he looks like Michael Sarah almost. Like <laughs> so, seeing that guy do dunks is a little bit like whoa, hey. Um, yeah. Whereas you know, like like some of these like like Gordon Hayward, anyone who's ever like, well, that guy's athletic. It's like you ever looked at him? <laughs> he's ripped. Yeah, he's huge. Gordon, Even when he was like nineteen, he was huge. Especially, yeah, especially like young, young Utah like rookie level Gordon Hayward was yeah. a very good athlete. Guy was shredded. Um, so that's oh the other guy we haven't talked about is uh, is Risa Shea. So yep. Zachary is that what we're going with? Zachary, um, yeah. Zachary, uh, another guy who's what six ten one ninety, like another tall skinny guy. Yeah, he's probably six ten. He's six nine six ten. He was he's been it's been a weird journey for him because I really liked him in the FIBA stuff over the summer. I thought he was like a top ten guy, and then. I didn't watch any games, but I kept looking at stats and I kept getting people. People were telling me he was, I mean, the shot, he was shooting like 15% from the field. Yeah. Point. Uh, it was like, I was like, oh, this guy's like in the 30s. And then like four or five weeks ago, suddenly he's he's like a 40% shooter now. Like, How is the competition level for him? I know he's playing. He's in playing France. at Asphalt. He's playing at the, at the LMB Pro A, same league okay. as Wembenyama last year. So so that's that's at least kind of translatable. Um, oh, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's a good league. It's a top league. Yeah, I LMB. Saw, he's playing I, at, that's um, Tony Parker's team, Asphalt, I think. I read it. It is. I read a capsule. I, I want to say it was Gavoni. Somebody wrote a capsule that I read that compared him to Trey Murphy. Yeah, that I I, I jokingly called him French uh, Mikhail Porter Jr. recently to somebody. 
Uh, Sorry, that's funny. Uh, how's the uh, how's the defense? Uh, if that is the comparison, fine. Okay, uh, okay. Seems fine. He's really the shooting and like the two dribble like pump fake creates like close out creation stuff are really what's interesting with him. And he's got good measurables and he's like six ten. I was gonna say if you're six nine six ten, you can shoot like he supposedly is going to shoot it. Um, by the way, he yeah, is he, currently he, number two on ESPN's. Uh, I get it. I understand it. I, I, I'm still not. He's the guy I'm least familiar with. I'm like in the top group, but I understand it. Like this me draft. Too, I, me too. I think I have seen him play. Sense. I think once or twice, but it makes sense. Uh, okay. I wanted to at least get a, get a feel for that. Yeah. All right. That is all with part one of this two part conversation with myself and Brian Schroeder. Again, stay tuned on your podcast platform of choice for part two. It should be available for you right now. Please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, perhaps Spotify or Apple or YouTube, etc. Leave ratings and reviews as well. Follow the show on social media, really on Twitter for the most part, at Locked on Hawks. Follow me there as well, at BT Roland. Follow my written work as well about the Hawks, at BT Roland over at Patreon. And all that said, we'll have more coming up on the Hawks, of course, on Wednesday after the game. But in the meantime, part two should be available for you right now. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time.